You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Maps. Now, Onyx is a digital mapping app that you download directly to your phone, mobile device, and you can even use it on your desktop. But what is great about it, the functionality here, is that you can drop waypoints and you can mark tree stand locations. You can mark trail camera locations, scrapes, rubs, bedding areas. You can document all that. So it's like a living journal of your properties that you hunt. Now, what's great about this, it can be used on a small scale, let's say like a 40 acre farm, or like we did on our mule deer hunt out west, this 33,000 acre uh, big chunk of public ground. It can allow you to document everything that you've seen on there as well, glassing points where the mule deer were coming in and out, and so much more. If you want to find out more about the functionality of Onyx, visit onyxmaps.com. And for first-time users, you can use the discount code NATION20 for 20% off. That's what I call pro talk. When you really don't know the answer, you just make it up. My rut is that I am in a rut. To get the pilot of Red Arrow going. There's really a way to skip class. I want to say, hey, those boys right there are entertainers. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said on this podcast. Alex Rutledge here with American Roots Outdoors TV. Hey, this is Lee and Tiffany Lukowski from the Crest TV. Hi, I'm Don Higgins. This is Jeff Lindsay. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Dury with Dury Outdoors. Hey, this is Craig Fitz of Train Assassins TV. You're listening to Dave and JP on Pro Talk Outdoors, the craziest two I know. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pro Talk Outdoors. Last time on, we had sort of like a, an October lull episode about how to strategize for the end of October and rolling into, you know, the first of November, kind of your pre-rut or when deer start seeking. Not really aggressively seeking or chasing, but just getting on their feet and seeking a little bit. Uh, but today, we kind of want to do an episode more about, you know, after you get into the first couple days in November and when you should consider using scent, you know, the, the timing of that kind of thing and uh, how you use them, what sense you use, and we're not coming from a position of authority. Or, or, or even if you use them. Right? Or even if you use them. Yeah, we're not coming from a position of authority or knowledge. We're having a guest on, you know, last episode was a no pro. Uh, neither one of us feel good enough about scent and uh, things around it to really act like we're coming from a position of, of high knowledge here. Well, 
I'm I'm skeptical. I mean, I've, I've always been skeptical of, uh, you know me, whenever we're putting up tree stands or anything, I'm kind of a minimalist. I don't want to cut too many shooting lanes. Um, I, I don't want to add any unnecessary scent to the area. I just want to get by with as little of intrusion as possible. And the thought of... I'm not against sense, okay? And I know it sometimes they work. Well, you don't I'm have sure. a whole lot of sense. <laughs> fair, fair enough. But, you know, I just, I, I don't, I'm going to have to have somebody sell me on the fact that, that I can use a scent to my advantage. And, you know, and not only that, if, if they can convince me that I can use a scent to my advantage, I want to hear somebody tell me how I can. I mean, I know of things like, um, you know, we've talked about uh, using the preorbital gland on a, uh, uh, rope above a scrape, you know, and, and, you know, we've, we've heard about, uh, making mock scrapes and all those things. To be honest, I've had very little success at that, if any at all. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whatever, you know, when I pee in a scrape, it usually doesn't generate a whole lot of excitement. I don't well, know I mean, they're saying, uh, what yearling buck did this? I mean, <laughs> what what is going on? No, I mean, Pro Talk Outdoors as a team, uh, has had very different, viewpoints in different configurations and folks that have been chipping in and doing different things. You know, everybody kind of had a different opinion on that sort of thing. And in the past, you know, we were approached about using some different scents, and we, we've tried things out. And, uh, you know, some things that I felt worked, um, you have mixed or no results on, and then, you know, neither one of us really believe in a cover scent. But, you know, let's kind of start and organize this just a little bit about what we think does work. Um, personally, I do believe that an estrus scent can work. Uh, I've seen it work before, a hundred percent. I crushed up some, you know, some granuled, balled-up scent on the bottom of my boots before. Walked a very long distance, more or less the length of a farm. Uh, I had no other access to get to the stand I wanted to hunt, and you know, the trail that I walked on, a deer ended up coming perpendicular to it, catching that scent. And I had video proof to show it, and just beelining directly the path that I walked. So, and that was in late November. It was November 26th. So, I believe that it can 100% work. Now, that deer was clearly in that desperately seeking phase where he's already probably bred multiple does at this point, uh, if he's lucky, and he's he's wanting one more, or two more, however much he can he can find. So, uh, you know, maybe that's a part of it. How aggressive is the buck that you're trying to lure in? And I totally get that. And, you know, look, we've all heard those stories. We've all talked to that guy that... But that's the I only time that, it's worked for me. Yeah, you know, I put that drag rag on my boot, and that buck followed me right to my tree. I mean, I, we've all heard that story. However, I've never witnessed that with my own eyes. Now, maybe it's because of my methods. Maybe it's because I haven't committed to doing something like that uh, to that level. And maybe it's because I'm thinking more along of the lines of, I want to... I want to put some nose jammer on my boots or something. I want to eliminate my scent going in. I don't mm -hmm. want to add some other kind of scent to it. But my thought process is, and, and I'm I'm looking forward to having our guest on today so he can kind of sell me on this. But if if I'm going to try to fool a big buck's nose, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking that he's probably plenty good enough as a big buck that he's going to be able to not just smell the estrus that I'm putting on my boot, but he's going to be able to smell my boot as well. And I, I don't right. want to, I don't want to confuse the situation or anything and uh, wind directions and all that stuff. Man, I got all kinds of issues with it. And sure, um, I'm not opposed to trying it. I'll try anything. 
you know. Right, uh, yeah, me, but me, me too. But I just don't know that I believe it, and I'm wanting somebody to sell me on it. You know, and I, I have never used uh, Conquest since before. I'll even throw a name out there. Uh, and I decided that VS1 uh, is just really popular. It looks like a stick of deodorant almost, gel form of scent that folks will, you know, they'll rub it on a, on a tree trunk or the bottom of their boots or the tree that they're in. It's more or less a calming effect that it's supposed to give the deer, well, isn't no, it? Well, no, that's Evercalm. Okay. That's Evercalm. VS1 is an estrus scent. It's supposed to be, you know, top-notch, like the, the top of the line. According to the folks that review on the Internet, it's got great rave reviews. But you can find a half dozen more that have equally good reviews, you know. I think it's it's what has worked for somebody or what have they perceived to work. Uh, and, you know, and, and here's the thing. Whenever you look at those reviews, <clears throat> I've noticed this, and I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast has noticed this. Some guy has had success one time. You did. You admitted one it. One time. You admitted it one time. Now, I've but used now, it more often than yeah, that. Yeah, but now you said, you said it worked one time. Yep. But everybody, we all know the guy on, on social media that's going to get on a Facebook forum, and he's going to say, you know, he's going to have that success one time out of the hundred times that he's used it, and he's going to say, best stuff I've ever seen in my life. I'll use it 100% till the day I die. You know, and some of these folks, I feel like, are using it as a gimmick. Uh, you know, folks that may not understand any other hunting principle just go down the aisle at a, you know, at a Bass Pro Shop or a rural, Walmart. rural King or Walmart, and you have no idea how long it's been on the shelf, like you mentioned before oh, we started recording. Yeah. And they'll just say, man, maybe this will do the trick for me. And they've not hung a stand all year or a camera. They've not scouted. They're just looking for a gimmick. I don't think the scent is going to work for those guys regardless. But I think some of them perceive that that's their out. Not just that. Look, I worked, I used to work at a Walmart distribution warehouse. I know what kind of um, environment that is in there. In the summertime, whenever those scents start coming through, you know, to to ship out to the stores, it's like 110 degrees inside there. Yeah, far from a clean room. brutally hot, brutally hot. So I'm thinking, I'm looking at this box that says it's got dough in heat or estrus urine in it yeah and it's shipping through in june or july and it's going through 110 degrees it's cooking it's probably 130 degrees inside those trailers when they're shipping down the road how in the world has that estrus urine holding its integrity by the time it gets to the fall and it's going to the shelf and somebody's gonna you know john q public's gonna buy it and take it out into the woods how is that one or two ounce bottle of tainted urine that is six months to a year old mm-hmm. going to have any effect positively at all on uh, that person's hunt whenever there's X number of deer out in the woods that are peeing six to eight ounces every time they get up and urinate, and they're doing it three times a day. Right. Yeah, I mean, I you just, <laughs> I'm needing somebody to sell me on this. Right. And then you've got the idea of cover scents or, you know, maybe not even going the estrus route and going the, you know, the pre-orbital orbital, like you mentioned before, or, you know, rutting buck scents or things of that nature. I mean, there's so, there's a million and one strategies. I'm not sold on the urine whatsoever, but now somebody might be able to tell me something about a pre-orbital scent or something that is a positive. And one thing I'll tell you right now that I 100% think is hokey as hell and it, it cannot possibly work. You can't put a scent on a wafer or in some kind of jar or in some kind of little beady balls or anything and say it smells like corn 
or it smells like persimmon or it smells like acorns or it smells like dirt and say that that scent is going to cover up your human odor and it's going to overpower the thousands and thousands of acres that are surrounding where you're hunting that smells like dirt and acorns and persimmons and all those things you're not going to sit on the edge of a cornfield and your little wafer that you got that magically supposed to smell like corn is going to overpower your human odor whenever there's corn everywhere. Mm-hmm. You're never, ever, ever going to be able to convince me that that is worth a damn. It just can't work. Yeah, I, I get it. I, and that's why I always continue to practice a scent minimalization. I, I've almost quit using the word scent elimination in my vocabulary because I don't think it's possible. Uh, you you got to play I, the wind. You, you got to play, play the wind. But I understand that you know there are ozone generators that are proven, scientifically proven, to eliminate your odor. I don't use anything like that in the tree. Uh, I use it in the truck. Use it, it works in, great. Use it, use it in the truck. Yeah, because you know I farted and it disappeared yeah. <laughs> real quick. No matter how bad we stank up the truck. <laughs> You can use that little sucker in there, and it'll get rid of the odor. It's but, pretty good. But, yeah, scent elimination for me is just kind of, kind of. I don't know. That's a term I'm not even comfortable with anymore, scent minimalization. But I tell you what, let's let's get a guy on here that knows what he's talking about and uh, has a history with this kind of thing. I mean, it, I know you and I aren't the right people to, to come from a position of expertise here. So, you know, what do you think we bring somebody on? Absolutely. Let's get Gerard who happens to own, and uh, I believe he's the founder of Rat Getter, Sense and Lures, <clears throat> and uh, we'll find out what he's got to say about it. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pro Talk Outdoors. We are here with Gerard Sakelli, and uh, Gerard, you've got a history here with Sense, and Dave and I have been diving in a little bit about kind of our thoughts on not only cover scent, but, you know, going with an estrus or a rutting buck or any other kind of scent that you can add to your boots, your body, uh, a tree nearby, a scent wick or anything like that, both of us are, are a little skeptical. So we wanted to, to get a, an opinion from somebody that's not only deep into the industry, but somebody that's a believer and sell us on it and, and sell the listeners on just the idea of scent. Not as much rack getter. We'll absolutely get to that. But I just want to talk at first about scents themselves and, and how you became a believer in the first place. Well, I grew up in a huge hunting family. Even though I come from New Jersey, I come actually from the biggest city in New Jersey, but my whole family hunted. And uh, my grandfather, who taught myself and my cousin to hunt, my cousin's more like my brother, um, we we learned from him hunting, fishing, etc., and he made lure when we were young. So we always knew that, you know, what it was about, and we were always around it, whether it be in the field with him messing around with coyotes or messing around with the dogs with scent or deer hunting or something always had to do with some type of scent somewhere. And uh, growing up around it, it just puts you on a different level than just the average guy that goes to a store and just expects, you know, wonderful things to happen every time you put something out that you don't buy. And, you know, scents and lures are meant for a time and a place, and there's different ways to use them and different times to use them. There's also different lures to use at different times, which is one of the biggest problems with guys. They don't always know when to use it, how to use it. Um, and there's this, at in this day and age, there's many different types and there's many different styles. Uh, some are in gels, some are in paste, some are in liquids. Uh, 
there's incented polymer balls, which is another big thing that's been going on throughout the industry for the last few years. And uh, that's been, you know, really trend-setting. A lot of people have used it. A lot of companies are using that. And we've brought the game to a different level than from 40 years ago, tanks in a, uh, you know, film canister. We've come a long way since then. The whole industry has come a long way since then. And it's definitely uh, a big part of what, I'm, what I do and what I've done over the years. Uh, when you have a urine or a synthetic-type urine, it, it attracts animals. That's what they're made to do. But they're also made to do it in different times of the year. Uh, urine-based products, which is my favorite, I always you know, tend to use more urine-based products than a synthetic, even though now times are changing, things are changing with CWD and a lot of different issues with the, the health of whitetail. A lot of companies are changing to synthetics or having a synthetic form, which is you know, overall a good thing and a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. And I won't really get into the politics of all that. We all have our own beliefs about synthetics and, and you know, urine-based products and things of that nature. But getting into the, the urines itself, urine is an attractant, but it's not the only attractant that white tails carry. They have many different types of glands. And in those glands, I make mixtures. And those mixtures, formulas, I add into fresh urines, attracting white tails in different ways ways that they can recognize and communicate with each other, not just the only one way, which is just the urine, which works, but when you have glands in them, they definitely change the way you attract white tails. All right, well, and let's really, slow down there, Gerard. Let's, let's, uh, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I want to I take this kind of step by step. You've already said something that, that really intrigued me, but before I even get to asking about that, I want to back up and, and tell you I'm a little bit of a skeptic. I'm going to say that right now. Okay, you you mentioned right. tinks, um, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you which I said something about this in our opening uh, before you came on, but tell me about this because like I I used to work at a Walmart distribution center, and right. it was like a hundred plus degrees in the summertime in there whenever those scents started coming through. You know, like I'm talking June, July, <clears throat> we'd have boxes or cases of this uh, Tink's uh, estrus urine that was coming by. And I know that that stuff's getting heated up on those trailers to temperatures of close probably to 130 degrees at some points. And it's had to have been collected several months or even a year in advance. How in the world can that ounce or two ounces of urine hold its integrity and be the right scent compound that it needs to be whenever it gets to the hunter and then also to take well, that a step first I'll go ahead and answer that part of it well there's 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 i i know how they make their product i know how they make their product it's a very different product from what i do i don't myself i don't ship to all over the nation i don't ship thousands of thousands of of bottles at one time anywhere so i don't i only deal with the more fresh of a product but i do understand their way of making it and what did they do and i can't as a company owner i can't put down you know another company or the way that they make it or try and you know stomp my feet on what they do because years ago and i'm sure it wasn't done any different then than it was now my grandfather had made fresh lure and as we got older we went to the store and we bought a bottle of tinks and whenever he would see us with the bottle of tinks his hair would stand up he'd flip out what are you doing with that? That stuff's garbage. I make better stuff than that. You don't need to use that. X, Y, and Z. 
And then as you get a little older, you just tend to want to try different things out. You use what your grandfather makes. You make your own stuff. You use other people's stuff just to get to see what works and what don't. And I remember years ago, I took kinks. I put two cotton balls inside of a film canister. I put it out in the middle of a field about 40 yards from my stand. And I had the wind blowing onto an old airport. And this is in New Jersey, Alexandria Airport. And uh, that wind blew. And that white tail ran right past my stand, stopped 20 yards between me and the film canister, looking towards the film canister. And as it was walking towards the film canister, I took the animal. And from that point on, it just became something in my life that I always wanted to use, something that I always wanted to uh, just say, grab it and make something better out of it or do different things with it. It just was something that I always was very interested in, just knowing what I knew from what my grandfather had taught us, where He'd extract glands from white tails, whether it be the interdigital gland or the tarsal gland. He'd use those old pharmaceutical uh, pounders that come in like marble and you pound away and he'd break down the, uh, you know, the glands and then add urines into it and do different things. And we just got really curious about everything. So we started messing around with him at a young age, what he did and, and other people's products like Pink's. And uh, they're probably the biggest one that's been around forever. So I kind of just use them as a, the foreground something that I kind of helped me along the way into scent stores and attractive. And then as years gone on, I just got into using uh, different products and trying different products and learning more about products and what they actually do. And I could get into more of how to use mine and how I don't really use preservatives. So there's a lot of different things, but I don't really want to tend to get into uh, what Tinks does great or don't do great. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, I'm not wanting you to bash any company or anything. Using, I, I've had success using a bunch of different products. And, you know, that, that really, you know, led me down the road to eventually working for another company and then realizing that I, I don't need that company. That company wasn't doing things that they could do better than me. So I moved on and decided to open up my own company because I always knew that I knew more than most companies out there. And just coming from a history of it from when I was real young, seven, eight, nine years old, 10, 12, you know, 11, 12, when I started really getting into hunting and hunting more, I realized what it could do and how to attract whitetails. And from that point on, like I said, it just became from a hobby to eventually now a business. And it's a small business that I have. It's not this major business that has a really good size following on social media, and that's what kind of fuels it. But it's not a big business. It tends to get a little bit more... Uh, notoriety because it has a bigger page, but it's really not a big business at all. Uh, it's, you know, it's mostly ran out of my pole barn and, and, you know, basement and areas where I need to have my workshop set up. But for the most part, it's a, uh, it's a great business. I'm enjoying doing it. I love getting in touch and talking to people about it and how to use them. Uh, and that getting into that, like then you can get into more of what my products do and how I would recommend using my products, not just overall. Skeptics yeah. are always going to be skeptics. I, I want people to be skeptical well, because myself, I like to prove those people wrong. Yeah. I've had a lot of skeptics that, that have used my products before and found that they work. And if you follow directions and you use them at the right times, they can be very, very helpful in the world of hunting. They can be very, very helpful this time of the year. They can be very helpful calling and rattling around them. Um, Always playing the wind is a big thing, but listening to someone who makes the product such as I do uh, and how we recommend using them is always the best way. So what I do is I give out an information sheet 
with every one bottle that's bought, you'll get an information sheet. So anybody that buys stuff from me, most of them, if I didn't forget to put it in there, they receive an information sheet. And if they just follow that information, they're able to get a good feel on what to do with it and when to use each each particular product. All right. Um, well, let's let's back up. Let's back door. up just a little bit, Gerard, because I want I want to go back to you said that you put uh, different types of glands in with with urine. You mix it together. Uh, so I mean, to me, that that sets your product apart. I mean, I know one of the things that JP and I were talking about earlier is that um, you know if you're just going strictly urine. It's kind of hard to, you know, I'm skeptical about that. And the reason I'm skeptical about just strictly urine is because I know I've got X number of deer out there on my property, and they're going to urinate six to eight ounces, you know, a few times a day, each one of them. So why is this two ounces of liquid or urine that I'm going to buy, how is that going to even set me apart? What's that going to do for me? But you put... Well, that whitetail, those six or eight whitetail are home range whitetail that live in your yard. They live around your property. They live in areas that you hunt. You're now introducing a new deer, a new whitetail that has a new scent, a stronger, more powerful scent that may be different, whether it be from the different part of the country and from a different from urine from a different animal. That okay. now that makes you're introducing, sense. You're now introducing into this area. If you know you see that you go to a bar, you see the same old women there. It's the new the girl, time. the new girl at the bar. There's a new girl that walks into town. It interests you, and that's just the same thing as whitetails. They're no different. They're absolutely no different. They smell something new. It intrigues them. It piques their curiosity. At this time of the year, it's more than just that. We know there's a, uh, you know, a mating rut season going on that's coming right into right now as we're speaking. It's going on, and it's getting stronger every day. And you're introducing a new scent. All right. Well, let's and, okay. Let's let's look at this because what you just said to me that's that makes sense. It's a, it's the new girl in town. You know, the new buck, whatever it is, but it's a new scent, so that, that piques their curiosity. So let's let's kind of take a step-by-step. Step. I know you said these work at different times of the year. You know, maybe the guys use the wrong scents uh, for the wrong type of the, uh, time of the season that they're in. So for, for, for this episode's sake, let's look at where we're at right now. We're, we're at the tail end of October. We're getting ready to go into November. Everything's kind of in that, getting ready to take off into that seeking phase. What type of lures should a guy be using right now, and what are some of the methods that they can use to be successful? The good thing about this time of the year is everything works. You can use buck lures, and you could use hot doe lures, and you could use mock scrapes and preorbital scents. And uh, scrapes are a big thing right now. They're you know they're visiting scrapes, they're making scrapes, they're hitting making rubs, they're. They're doing a ton of different things. They're searching out those doe groups. Those bachelor groups have now been broken up, and the bigger bucks are now starting to move and come alive and starting to check out their range and go from range to range. And, you know, they're, home, they're checking out their home, home territory. And they know where the doe groups are. They can smell them. We may not be able to smell them, but they know where they are, and they can smell them. And they're going from doe group to doe group to doe group, checking their estrus cycle seeing where they are. The younger bucks are already frisky. They're already chasing. And the bigger bucks are getting interested. They're moving around. They're looking to find and checking these, you know, these, these doe groups and seeing if each group, which one's in estrus, which one is getting so, close. So as a hunter, they should come back. as a hunter, uh, what, like, okay, I'm, I'm going hunting tomorrow morning. Um, and the area that I'm going to hunt, um, 
let's just say it's uh, it's kind of on a field edge, a little secluded field edge. But I'm going out there tomorrow morning. If if you were to give me some advice and you could magically put a product in my hand right now, what would you tell me to do? Um, you know, to to up my odds a little bit. What what's a, a good method or something that I could do right now to uh, to maybe uh, entice a, a a new buck into my area or you know give me another shot? I'm going to give you two. Okay. One is making a mock scrape on the field edge in an area where you want to get your shot and making that mock scrape with a licking branch over it with the preorbital gland and adding some buck lure around it. That's one way and one method that you could trail a buck across a field or have him frequent that particular spot trying to get other other does to hit that spot and then they all kind of check and what, what I use for my, what I call my mock straight door is climax because that's where everything happens you have bucks visiting you have does visiting all their glands are, are now in one spot their inner digital gland the tarsal glands the forehead gland the preorbital gland everything now is there so are you, are you, you putting all those there. different glands in that um, in those lures yes, yes I, there's a multitude of white tail glands in my mock scrape door, a multitude. Um, there's also buck and doe urine, uh, a combination of two in a formula, not so much just 50-50, but in a specific formula, along with glands from bucks and does are in my climax mock scrape. I break down each one. How do you get uh, those I glands? Good question. I, I collect them from uh, taxidermists and deer butchers that allow me to do this at their place of work. Or wherever they have their shops, and uh, they, you know, I, you, you pay a little bit, and people take care of you, and you build relationships with doing that, you know. And I have no problem promoting the taxidermists or the, the guys that I use from the butcher shops that I use that allow me to do this, and I promote their businesses. So it kind of gives us, uh, uh, you know, helps us both out at the same time. But those, that's where I really get most of my glands is from New Jersey, PA, and New York some taxidermists and some butcher shops that I know that allow me to do this. Or they freeze them for me and send them to me, or I go and pick them up, however it's easier. But I do have, what I've, what I've recently been able to do is make some friends in the Midwest, and those friends have been sending me tarsals from the Midwest. So being versatile and not being able to just have to make thousands of bottles that just go on shelves everywhere, I make a basic blend from the Midwest different from the East Coast blend. Really? That's interesting. That saying. is interesting, so I yeah. Use, yeah, I actually use tarsals from the Nebraska or even Kansas area, and I break those tarsals down, and I make them into a Midwest one. So when I go through um, a list of guys that have ordered, and I see an Ohio order or maybe an Iowa order or a Kansas order, I'm giving them a specific blend that I have separated, and they'll get, they'll get the Midwest blend. And I don't tell anybody that. I don't make that known. I just do that because I know it's just a better – way to do it it just it just increases their odds and it's just more of the same type of whitetail that they have out there there we all look at whitetails and say okay they're all the same well they're really not and you know the southern deer and northern deer and canadian deer they're either bigger some are smaller in size you know you have texas deer with these huge racks and smaller bodies than the northern deer and you know there's so many different whitetails there's they all have a different scent to them Okay. They all have maybe a distinct scent to them. Okay, so you know, you mentioned one way that somebody could unintentionally make a mistake, and that's by introducing a scent that's not appropriate for the area that they live in. What are some other mistakes that somebody can use with a scent, uh, whether that be a cover, you know, a, a rutting buck, or an estrus scent, and 
what kind of effects can that have long term? I'd like to back up just a touch where I gave you the one specific way to attract whitetails to the corner of the field that you were hunting. Oh, yeah, I want to yeah. give you the second way. I want to give you the second way. The second way is using my hot dough lure hot to trot. Hot to trot is filled with hot dough urine, hot dough glands, and interdigital glands. The interdigital gland is from between the back toes, which is the ones that I use because they get urine on them. They get, you know, everything to go through those feet from the urines when they're making scrapes. They peel over themselves. It runs down their legs, gets into that, that uh, interdigital on their feet, and then they walk away. Well, when they walk away, they leave a hot trail of hot urine and hot interdigital through the woods. So I mimic that. I mimic that. I use hot interdigital from hot does that are shot during the month of late of October, like now, right on through to November. I take them, extract each one out of each hoof myself, make a formula out of it, add certain amount into every bottle by hand. So I put, you know, just the same amount of drops into every one. So now when you are going to cross your field to your tree stand and you get about 90 yards away from your tree stand, I would say send up a drag rack. Set up some boot pads. Spray them down real good three or four times on each boot pad. Walk to your stand from eight, from 90 yards away. Come on the upwind side of your stand like a question mark and put those boot pads in areas where you want to get your shot. You just laid down a 90-yard stretch of hot dough urine, hot dough glands across a field. Now circle it into your stand in areas where you want to shoot, and that's where you'd want to place, whether it be your scent wicks, your boot pads, your drag rag, get that up in the wind about three feet off the ground. And if a buck gets picked up on that hot dough, not only urine, but that interdigital, the hot tarsal, and a few other things that I head into there, really makes them go crazy and come in. Not only do they follow it, but they'll come in grunting, they'll come in running, they'll come in sneaking, they'll do all different kinds of stuff, sniffing around right in front of your stand. They do really cool stuff. And it's a real great way to attract them let, and bring them in. Let me ask I you this, a Gerard. Really cool, hot trail the woods. Here's here's a question I have then, because look, I've, I'm the type of hunter that I am. I'm kind of a minimalist. I've always wanted to do the least amount of possible intrusion as, that, that I can get away with, and I don't even like cutting shooting lanes if I don't have to. I worry about um, the sense on my boots. You know, and then if I put like a drag rag or if I put a boot pad on there or something and I add some of that um, that doe scent on there, how, how do I have the confidence that that buck is not going to smell my boot also and spook out of there? Or is that is that uh, doe scent so overpowering that he's just going to lose his mind and not even pay attention to my boot scent? Or is it going to be even noticeable to him? Well, as hunters and I'm almost 50 years old and I've been hunting for many years since I'm, since I'm young. We've come a long way again as hunters. My family was mostly gun hunters who dabbled in bow, in the bow, the bow season. They just dabbled in it. They went out, we, you know, whatever, but they taught us and we became bow hunters. So we've changed the, the whole industry has evolved into realizing capsulating using rubber boots is the only way to go if you're in the field. There's really no reason for a guy nowadays to be out in the field with leather boots. Whitetails track them, coyotes track them, foxes track them. It, it, it's, it's now a rubber boot world, and that's really what I would always recommend using it. That's on my information sheet, telling guys, 
use rubber boots, use rubber gloves, stay scent free. You know, that's another reason why I make my mock straight product in a multitude of different ways. Gels being, I feel, the best way to use them because when you're making a mock scrape, I only recommend you're standing there with rubber boots. You want to make a mock scrape even with your boot. You don't want to do it with a leather boot. You know, that's just, they can walk up to it, smell it, be attracted to it, smell that rubber boot and run away. I mean, smell that leather boot and rub away. Okay. Run away. That makes sense. So, I, that's what I was thinking of whenever boots, you were saying that, walking yeah, that rubber drag boots rag around. nowadays, and that's the thing, and I, I put that on my information sheet because it's something that I know would help not only the way my product is used, but it would help hunters as a, as you know, just a whole help them and just understanding that it's the scent game. You want to bring them close. That's what you want to do. Well, you have to give yourself every advantage, and I think using rubber boots and rubber gloves is one way that will help you. <laughs> you know, keep white tails in your area. Leather boots is an old way of doing things, and nowadays rubber boots are the way to go. Guys still use them. Guys still kill deer, but if you're into the scent game and you're looking to bring them to a certain specific spot, I recommend rubber boots and rubber gloves all the time. Makes sense. Makes sense. What about, did you, you had a question in you, JP. I kind of skipped over it. I went to a different well, question. Well, mine was, you know, what are some of the biggest mistakes that somebody can make? And, I mean, you already kind of alluded to uh, leather, leather boots being one the, of the big ones. But uh, The wind. The wind, the wind, the wind. When guys put the scent out, sometimes they put them downwind of themselves. Where the whitetail will come in and actually give, him, give himself the advantage. Because he's smelling you in between you and the scent. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, makes sense. That makes sense. You always want to put scent on the upwind side of your stand where the deer you want to go to shoot where the wind is not going to be. That is the biggest thing. It's always the wind. 99% of the, of the issues isn't what they're using. It's where they're putting it. That's, that's always been an issue. And that's something that hunters themselves sometimes have to figure out in their own way. You know, like, hey today it's a north wind or it's a south wind maybe i shouldn't hunt on a south wind maybe i should hunt on a north wind you know there, there's certain wind is a big part of it they have to know where to put the scent so it's the deer don't get in between them and the scent because if the wind's blowing to them and it's in between the scent sometimes they'll say oh the deer got scared away from the scent no it got scared away from the wind blowing to the deer that's blowing to the scent so you gotta that, that's something that i've definitely I've spoken to guys about, so, and again, so for you have uh, to watch your wind. for like a, an easy way to to reference that, what you're saying is, if there's a north wind, you want the scent to be north of where your stand is going to be. Is that what you're you're saying? Right. You just don't want the, your wind blowing at the scent. Right. You want the scent blowing at you. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Is there anything else in like the usage of a scent outside of the wind? So I guess. Uh, I, to be more direct, is there a way that you can use the wrong scent and do more harm than good? As opposed to it just being ineffective, can using a, a scent at the wrong time actually do damage? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's uh, overuse. You know, the, the more that you use scent in the heat, it intensifies it. And let's just get back to the whitetails themselves. We know that they could smell a lot better than we ever could imagine. So, if you're using too much, just think to yourself, put yourself in a closed small bathroom and spray a half a bottle of cologne. Are you going to want to stand there? Heck no. Absolutely I'm getting out. Not. You're getting out. I mean, you just sit on in a football stadium and you watch a woman walk by and you can smell it. 20 yards away, you can smell it. You, know, you, that's just, it, it, you, 
you know what I mean? You, you get a floral scent. I mean, the other day I'm sitting in, in, you know, with my, watching my son's game. The woman walks by and she got the whole area stinking up with this floral cologne. <laughs> I couldn't even stand it. And I'm 20 yards from it. You, you should know, have sprayed so a little rat getter as she walked by. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, but she, like I said, so that's how powerful their noses are. So when it's hot out, you don't need as much. You don't need a lot. You just need a little bit. And in certain areas, again, where you want to get your shot is where you want to put it. But you don't need a lot. It's just, it's overpowering. It's overpairing. They may not like that. Okay, so with that, in, with that in mind, what's the standard serving size for early November? You know, let's say you got those. Well, you know, those... That, that, that's a good thing. The colder we get, the more you want to use. So instead of using, say, one or two sprays that you may use during the earlier season when it's warmer out, you want to get into the three or four sprays on your boot or scent whips at that time of the year. Okay. Um, what about a gel, though? How do, you, how do you know how much to use with a gel? Well, the good thing about a gel is gels will sit there for five, seven, nine, ten days, depending on the rain, or two to three weeks. For a long, long time, they'll sit there. And they won't do anything but work for you. So when you go out and you make a mop scrape and you spread it down with gel and you wore your rubber boots, you do not have to go back to that scrape again for almost a week, at least a week, unless you're looking to freshen up after a big rain. And that stuff's working for you. So the less times you have to frequent that scrape, the less chance you'll have human scent around that scrape. Makes so perfect a gel, sense. The gels work great. They're probably the best way to use, make a mock scrape because the polymer balls, which is a big thing now, and because everyone has them, I just have them available because some people want them. But if it was up to me, I wouldn't even sell them because I don't. Because as soon as a buck or a doe come in and they scrape that scrape, where do the balls go? The balls go out of the scrape. They're balls. They're round. The gels don't do that. The gels stick to the ground, and as they're pawing at it, it gets stuck to the bottom of their hooves, to their legs, to their hair. And then they walk away, and they leave a climax scent trail through the woods back to that scrape. Other bucks or does pick up on that scent and find the scrape, and then they start hitting it. All right, let me ask you another question here. The... Um... What about decoys? You, do you? Uh... I love using decoys. Oh my god! I G- give so us give us a tip or setting decoys. on a decoy up on, you know, you what sense to use. One good thing is you know, I, I've seen a lot of guys using decoys and spraying the product on the decoy. Don't do that. Keep the decoy pristine and clean. Keep it outside. Keep it in an, a shed where it's you, it's breathable. Um, always spray down try to carry it with some type of carrying unit rather than using your hands because the oils on your hands can get on the plastic or whatever, you know, material it's made with. So that's definitely one thing. It's scent, human scent. Guys set up a, a, a decoy with their hands. That's just not the proper way to do it. It should be with rubber gloves or it should be something that's going to be able to be easily stand up that you don't need to touch as much. That's one of the ways. And then what I like to do is I like to take the tails off and throw the plastic tail out. And I like to grab a tail from a white tail and I like to scent that up and put that on the decoy and just leave it at that. Because no. that's really, the back side is really where most of the scent comes from, from a doe. You know, anyway. Well, let's face so it, like that's what the bucks are most interested in anyway. Right. If, if I'm going to put out, <laughs> years ago, and I'll tell you what year, 1996, out in the middle of a field in Alexandria, New Jersey, I put out a beautiful, uh, 
Carrie Light Deer Decoy. I remember it at the time because it was a great, great one at the time. I uh, put it out. I faced me on an angle a little bit. I got 25 yard, 20 yards up in the 20 feet up in the tree. A few hours went by. Here comes a bunch of does behind my stand. Some big giant does right behind me. I mean, literally underneath the stand. And as I look up across the field, here comes this giant nine. And when I tell you he came in, he got through the hedgerow, he spotted that decoy, he put his head down, he charged, and he lifted that thing up off his feet. The ear went one way, the rack went the other way, the legs were spread out all over, and he stood there at 30 yards when I took my shot and drove. So I believe wholeheartedly in, 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 um, at this time of the year right now where a buck sees another buck, if they're going to come into it. What kind, I like to use what kind of yeah. What kind of a scent you going to use there? What what was it? I, I use I use my my rust up buckler because it's a great scent to call around. Um, there's certain things in it that are help when you're calling or rattling to white tails. It definitely attracts them. It's something that helps it. And when they get the scent and the visual, obviously that's all that they need. The scent is one big thing, but the visual part of it it allows them to really have confidence and that's a white tail. I'm going over there to check this guy out. We're either going to fight or I'm going to chase him away. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, Gerard, before we, uh, before we wrap up, we do want to give you an opportunity to tell everybody where they can find out more about your methods and, and your products. And, you know, if they're interested where they can buy them and, and how all that process works. Well, I, I, I have an open door policy to guys. If anybody wants to know how to use my products or even talk to me about them, they can get my number off my website at rackgettersense.net, and they can give me a call personally. I'm not a big company. I take everybody's calls. Uh, it's a very busy part of the season, so if they leave a message or they shoot me out a text, I'm always willing to get back to people and speak to them about my products and how I would recommend using them and break it down for them so it's easier for guys to understand. Sometimes when you write it or you text it, it doesn't come out the way that you would want to if someone's just telling you how to use them. Um, it, it, like I said, this is a small company. Uh, I, I, I have a, like the open door policy for people to give me a call to speak to me about anything. Uh, Rackgettersense.net. They can find me on my website. They can go to Rackgettersense and Lures on Instagram. They can contact me there. They can contact me on Facebook at Rackgettersense and Lures. And I'm also on You Do Outdoors. They can find me also there. I check all three of my pages daily. I run all three of my pages. Um, and that's really it. I mean, I'm, I'm always willing to speak to guys and hunters about the products and get them in their hands. Well, man, I, I, I do appreciate it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, when you hear this back in the, in the opening, I'm, you're going to hear me talking about how I just don't believe that much. And I'm kind of a skeptic. I've always been a skeptic of using scents and lures and, I think you said one thing that kind of uh, kind of made me think. Well, maybe I'm wrong a little bit, and that was that it's uh, you know it's a different girl. You know, you're introducing a different girl or a different buck into the uh, into the herd there a little bit, and you know you're adding you're adding some other things. You're not just using urine; you're using all these uh, glands as well, and that just sounds pretty intriguing to me. So uh, I'm I'm definitely interested in trying it out. Well, like I said, it it's. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny game, but it definitely has its part in the hunting world is sense lures and tracking. They definitely have their, their, you know, their timing. They have definitely have their spot in the industry. They definitely have their spot in the hunter's bag. And we're in there's The whole market is completely saturated with different products from everywhere. And, you know, it just comes down to 
what a guy wants to use, what a guy wants to try. And I try not to bash, you know, companies and the way that they make products. If they work, they work. For guys, I hope everybody goes out there and kills a big deer. I just hope everybody uses my product. I think they'd be really happy with what they get and how they work. And over the last five years of selling my products, I've had so much success. Um, peak hunters have had so much success. My team members have had so much success that, you know, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. My company is going to be around for a long time, hopefully a lot longer than I'm around. Well, Gerard, man, it's, it's been a pleasure, buddy. Hang with us through the break. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. So is it sense, sense, or sense? You know, because there's three words in the English language it could be, and they're all spelled different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good information there from Gerard, and we appreciate him uh, coming on and diving into a lot of the intricacies of you know the right ways and wrong ways not only to use them but to to make them or at least maybe shop for them. He he makes some very good points, and and you know I I know I've always been a skeptic of it, and I've never really tried it or used it that much or committed to it, but I can see. Where uh, you know using some of uh, some of those lures right now would be very beneficial. I mean, um, and, and the fact that he's using you know different glands, you know, and mixing those in there. I mean, that kind of it's a, it's a cocktail, you know. I mean, and uh, you know you're giving them all the different scents that they need. You're hitting all the different, uh, uh, you know, you're hitting all the buttons there. So uh, I, I think it's a good idea. You know, the the thing that I took away from it the most is, you know, if you're interested in trying anything, not just rat getter or anything else, if you want to try something, just do the research on their process. That's probably the biggest favor you can do to yourself uh, as opposed to just picking the first thing on the shelf that looked cool, had nice packaging. Do some research, find out which company has a process that you're comfortable with, and then follow the darn directions. Yeah, and, and let's face it, there are a ton of gimmicks out there there's a lot of gimmicky things that you see um you know that the outdoor industry is putting out there um and you know some things that, that we've tried in the past that just turned out to be pretty gimmicky to be honest with you and i i, I don't think that, that uh rat getter and what gerard is putting out there i don't think it's gimmicky at all i i, I think there's science behind it and uh, i mean you can literally go and and see uh, success pictures and things. There's a lot of guys killing big deer using his stuff, so uh, it's legit. It's a real deal. Well, until next time, guys, hook 'em or hunt 'em. Pro Talk Outdoors. Later, guys. Bye.